Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Inches Podcast, a podcast that looks at sports sponsorship, event sponsorship, and as how digital is affecting the industry. I'm your co-host, Nick Lawson, co-founder of a company called Squad. We're helping sports teams and events connect fans to sponsors digitally through some of our activations and digital contests. And as always here with me, Rich Franklin, uh, Vice President of Partnerships for the Portland Winterhawks. Rich, I'm excited about today's topic. Um, as we before beforehand, I pretty much almost gave the entire game plan. Um, but this is this is a topic that you brought up um, the, over some some items you had been reading about as as far as consumer trends uh, and and something I've been really interested in. But really, it's coming down to your video content and just how valuable it is for your fans, for your sponsors to really get right and redistribute. But you know, love to have you kind of dive in just on the nostalgia side of, of what you were reading and, 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 and what you were seeing kind of uh, from the industry of, of video consumption. Right, Nick. Well, just to, just to kind of explain to everybody how we arrived at that our topic is, is, is nostalgia and mm-hmm. how, do you, um, how do you use nostalgia and in, in some cases video nostalgia or maybe it's audio nostalgia, whatever it may be, to um, engage and connect with your fans and also give yourself another sponsorable asset, particularly at a time when just about everybody is not currently playing. I mean, there's still some, some opportunities, uh, uh, gameplay coming up soon. But you had done uh, on LinkedIn a couple of posts regarding ways for teams to uh, use video content, not only the, the – the live broadcast, but then also to, you know, slice it and dice it into smaller bits and pieces and, um, and repurpose it on various platforms. And I'll let you kind of talk about your half of, a little, of that in a little bit. But as I was reading that from you, I was also reading an article um, online, and I, I don't, sorry, I don't recall what publication it was in, but it was talking about uh, the huge growth right now of nostalgia. And the gist of the article was that, that psychologists have actually been able to link nostalgia and people's desire to look back fondly on certain experiences or memories or whatever it may be as a way to um, ward off depression. And right now, one of the kind of collateral damage uh, concerns regarding uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic and people losing their jobs and and the economic impact is that there's going to be, and I think we've already heard reports of, you know, more, sadly, more suicides and depression and things along those lines. And so they're starting to see kind of this surge in nostalgia. And so... As I'm reading this article, I had just read your article talking about repurposing your your team's uh, video content and the different ways to slice it and dice it and how this can actually provide revenue for you literally for years um, via YouTube. And, again, I'll let you kind of get into the specifics of that. But what it got me thinking about today was what are the sponsorship opportunities for associated with nostalgia particularly right now if we're at a point where we can't produce new content, how can we take existing content, in other words, go into the vault 
dust off those VHS tapes from, you know, 1989 or whatever, uh, digitize them, put them out there, and how can we tie in sponsors to generate revenue right now using the current nostalgia boom um, and the fact that there's no new content that we can produce. Yeah, you know, and, and, and I've told you this before, but um, our, our old content in sports might be the most underused, underutilized sort of value that we have. Um, you know, in today's day and age, you know, fans are consuming on YouTube, they're consuming on Facebook, they're consuming on their phone, they're consuming at home. Um, and it's it, much of it is video content. A large, large portion of it is video content. And, you know, when you come to the nostalgia piece, it takes us back to a time where, you know, we felt really, really you know, it was, it was a good time in that, in sports, right? Uh, for me, with the Warriors, it's, you know, as much as winning the championships were great, there's so much nostalgia around that We Believe team that had the playoff run because, you know, I was in high school and the Warriors had been bad for so long. And, you know, it, it, it sort of brought, bring, anytime I watch a Baron Davis highlight, it brings that, you know, that nostalgia feeling back to me and I want to watch 10 videos on it, right? Um, so I think, you know, from an emotional side, it's the kind of content that our fans want. Um, they want to be reminded, especially if you're, maybe your team's not doing so well right now, that of, of those times, yeah, of those times, right? And especially, yeah, especially if your teams have nothing going on right now, right? They're craving that content. And I always, I always think back to just how masterfully um, the Chicago Bulls created content around the Last Dance docuseries that ESPN did. And, you know internally what they did to sort of boost that content, create videos, pull their own video footage out of the back stock, have old players come on and, and sort of engage with that. Um, again, it's, it's going to be something that's always going to get you views and it's always going to get your fans coming back in. Um, and, and even new perspectives on that is always going to be quote unquote easy, you know, to kind of pull that back in. Um, you know, as and there's some cool yeah. ways you could do it too. I mean, you could take, uh, you know, let's say you take a game from ten years ago, and you're able to link in two or three players who played in that game ten years ago, and they can kind of be providing some 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 commentary, you know, along the way about what was happening, you know, on the field or on the court or on the ice. So so now you're taking that existing content. You know how the game is going to finish. You can just run it verbatim, but maybe there's you know some cool ways to kind of update it a little bit. And I think one of the fun ways to do it would be take take some of the the players who were on the court or on the ice at the time, and and let's have them comment on that old uh, old game footage as it's being shown. A hundred percent. And it's funny you bring that up because I think it was last night or the night before. Um, I don't know how it popped up on my Twitter feed just because I'm, I'm not a USC fan by any means, but USC football account did uh, the big game against Oregon um, yep. to where if Oregon would have won, they would have gone to the national title uh, game uh, back before the playoffs and all that. And Sam Barkley, uh, a few other players, they had like six players. Uh, I think Matt was in there. And, yep. Yeah, I saw that. And literally, and literally they just had the players go, and they went, 
like it was an hour long broadcast, but they went play by play, like literally, um, gosh, I forget which receiver it was, um, but the receiver ran an in route instead of an out route. And uh, Matt Barkley and the receiver are just going back and forth about, no, dude, that's the route. You were supposed to run this. You didn't run this, right? And think about that as a content piece. Again, I'm not a USC fan, uh, and I'm watching that just to see how these players are thinking about it and to get that inside scoop. And to be honest, a live broadcast like that, you know, almost takes nothing to set up with some of the different tools that are out there. And that's totally to your point. I mean, you definitely don't want to just say, hey, we're just going to produce, like, we're just going to throw this out there uh, and replay a game. You should be finding new fun ways to bring people into that experience. In uh, new ways for them to engage and see it from a new light, um, that's going to revamp some of that, you know, some of that energy from the fan that makes them is going to make them sort of want to view and, and watch that. Are you uh, are you on Twitter? Yes. Do you follow? Because I'm going to talk about one of my favorite Twitter feeds, a uh, a Twitter account called Super Seventy Sports. No, but I got to imagine it's all the great, great uh, moments from the 70s. So I grew up in the, in the 70s, pretty much. well, 70s and 80s. I'm born in 66, so, you know, a lot of my early sports memories, um, you know, start around the early, the early 70s and definitely through the mid and late 70s. And this uh, Super 70s sports is a fantastic uh, uh, Twitter, Twitter feed, and the reason why I love it is it's called Super 70 Sports, but it also gets into sort of retro 70s culture a little bit. Uh, I'm actually looking at the feed right now, and today he has posted um, a, a video shot of Dave Parker of the Pittsburgh Pirates from the 1979 Major League Baseball All-Star Game. Uh, you know, throwing out a, a, a runner at home plate. And then right after that, there's a picture of Elvis in his uh, jumpsuit. And then after that, there's some references to the movie Caddyshack. I mean, it's, it's just this great stuff. Oh, here's a thing right now. What's your favorite Marvin Gaye song? In other words, the, the, that account has taken that whole decade, and it even delves into the early 80s a little bit. And it talks about sports. It talks about the nostalgia of you know, early video games. It talks about the movies and the entertainment, and it and it, it's just this really fun sports-centric trip back in time for for me and probably you know a lot of others from from my particular generation. But all it is 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 you know from a sports standpoint, it's it's old clips. It's it's you know video clips from from forty. <laughs> You know, 40 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a great feed. The guy keeps it fresh. Um, I think he updates it, you know, several times a day with new content. Um, but it's really good. And, and I think it's, it's a great example of, of repurposing, you know, not only the, the sports content, but maybe some cases you can repurpose a little bit of the culture around whatever time it is that you're looking back to. So, you know, maybe it's if you're showing a game. Uh, highlights from the 90s. Uh, you're playing some, you know, 90s uh, uh, music along with it, or you've got, uh, you know, some some 90s uh, uh, references 
uh, to go along, you know, as far as your graphics and things like that. You can have some fun with it. Um, and as we just talked about, if you, if you maybe find a way to, to make it current with, you know, take some of those, some of those players, or maybe you grab even grab a fan, maybe that was at the game. Talk about, let them talk a little bit about where they were sitting and what they remember about this game, and and what the whole feeling was as it was being played. I think you can really have some fun with it, and because my thing is sponsorships and how do we use it to generate revenue, I think that you can really take advantage of this. Um, desire for nostalgia, you repurpose it, but you can have current sponsors, but maybe you do current sponsors with, you know, show their old logo as, you know, for, for fun. Um, or you run one of their old commercials uh, as a pre-roll or during the game or, what, you know, whatever it may be. You can, you can have a, a, a fun time with it, um, and I don't mean to speak for the, the video content producers out there, but I can't imagine that this is too awfully difficult to do. You know, it's it's not. I mean, to be honest, if you wanted to live stream and and have that, there's a program called StreamYard. It live streams to every platform. I use it for LinkedIn. It costs thirty bucks a month and allows you to add as many people as you want kind of onto the live stream. And it has a screen share ability, so you could play the video on one screen and have everything there. You know the. The interesting thing is, is how do you integrate your sponsors into that, you know, on the first fold of it here, this is an idea that I'm waiting for somebody to use, especially with kind of the game restarts is many times we have a sponsor who's just a fanatic either about the sport or the team, right? Um, right. And within that setting, what they end up doing is they're extremely, extremely, extremely knowledgeable just about, you know, just about the the sport, the team, the game. Imagine having, let's say your insurance partner, where that face-to-face one-to-one is so important. Imagine having them coming on and giving their hockey insights to some of the flashbacks or even this season, last season. And think yeah. about the relationship that that would build with the insurance provider so that the next time your fan's like, oh, well, our, our insurance is pretty high, where should we go? Of course, the first person you're going to think of is the insurance, you know, the insurance person who, you know, was uh, uh, on the show talking about Winterhawks hockey or whatever that may yeah. be. And that's, that's a sponsor integration that, you know, again, is going to build that one-to-one, but also authentically be ingrained into the experience, right? There's also probably a cool story that could be, could be built around longevity. Uh, particularly if it's a sponsor that, let's say you're showing a game from 1995, and and if this sponsor wasn't a sponsor back in 1995, well, maybe they've been in business since 1995 or even earlier. Mm-hmm. And there's some ways that you kind of link in in your fan slash consumer's mind uh, the importance of you know working with a company. Uh, that's that's been around for a long time. They've been through the ups and downs. They have the experience. I mean, I think there's a real a real sales story that can be told around that kind of, of longevity uh, in the marketplace. And hey, we were a sponsor of this team, uh, you know, 25 years ago, or uh, we're, and we're still a sponsor now. Uh, you know, build your build your sales story, your sponsor sales story. Um, 
you know, and it's almost a kind of a, you know, we talk about product placement. It's almost a um, less of a commercial and more of a, a more of a product placement kind of a thing. If you can get, you know, either the sponsor themselves, if it's an individual, or, you know, I'm thinking back to uh, my burger sponsor is is Jack in the Box, and of course Jack in the Box was around in the '70s. Uh, Jack looked a whole lot different and everything, but you know maybe you can get some fun, uh, you know '70s graphics from from Jack in the Box with 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 their permission, of course, or even run an old commercial as a as a pre-roll or you know something along those lines that that kind of ties the sponsor in with the era uh, of the content that you're showing. Yeah, and that's you know that's the key thing there is, I think just authenticity and, and, and connection, right? Like if even if you look at TV commercials today, uh, again now going back to the Last Dance, how ESPN tied in Allstate to you know a commercial right before it came back, where it was kind of a parody of an old school footage of the Sports Center desk, um, and they kind of dubbed Kenny Mayne's mouth on it, but it's it it just fits so well with kind of that activation. Um, that's going to be the key thing as you as you get sponsors into it. You know, building nostalgia is going to bring those views in. Integrating the sponsor into that piece is going to, um, you know, make it profitable or, or worth it for the sponsor just because, again, as we always talk about, they have a goal. If, you know, if your insurance partner's goal is to get more people to, you know, be comfortable one-on-one -on -one with a certain, you know, uh, insurance salesperson or whatever that may be. Then again, getting them on the show to talk about hockey is a great way to kind of increase that and increase the the value and the chances that they're going to go to that insurance partner to do that. Um, now, before, before we hopped on the, the the call here to record the podcast, you were sharing some some information and some stories about, uh, in particular, I think YouTube and how. Some of these segments that you produce can can actually, you know, live on and and produce uh, revenue via YouTube for for years to come. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm kind of on a YouTube crusade right now for sports teams, and um, the reason is is it's such a powerful platform for for what I'll call like long tail content. Just meaning, you know, when you think about Facebook and you think about Twitter, you know, there's a there's a certain shelf life for that content. For the most part, you you tweet something, especially Snapchat. You snap something, Facebook. You post a video, and then eventually it goes down your feed. And unless somebody's fanatical about scrolling down, um, they're not going to be able to find it, right? It's almost a newspaper of you know, unless you're saving those old newspapers, you're almost going to forget about it. For, you know, that particular newspaper five days later. What YouTube allows you to do is just create a library that somebody can always go back to. And that's why I'm very high on it, mixed with brands want to be on video content on there. But you know what I what I noticed was just how some of the networks are now doing their um, YouTube channels and how it benefits. So you know if you if you watch you know a show like American Idol or America's Got Talent, um, obviously they make money from sponsors right then when it's on live TV. They're getting maybe the most viewership. All at once, you know, right when it's going live, and that's a lot of time for our games as well. It's right then, that moment, you know, we're getting commercial money, um, you know, hopefully from our leagues, uh, and and it's right then, that's when that's when we're gonna make some money. 
what a lot of these shows are doing now though is they're taking that content they're cutting it up into top 10 emotional you know uh um, moments from the 2019 season, top 10 vocalists, top 10 comedians, and they're splicing it into videos that maybe are 10 minutes long, 30 minutes long, whatever that is, and posting it onto a channel. So they're almost making it easier for their viewers to be able to view what they want when they want to. Um, so if, you know, if, if you're sitting there one day saying, hey, you know, I want to watch you know, the top 10 vocal auditions from America's Got Talent, you can easily type that into YouTube and get those views. Um, the key thing about that is, is those videos, uh, you can put pre-roll YouTube ads on, which means that it plays an ad right before the video plays. So a lot of these uh, networks are making millions of dollars, you know, maybe even three years after that show premiered, just from the old school footage. And I equated a lot to like, like they always talk about Seinfeld licensing, right? Like you know, into, into the 2000s, there were some agencies that were making money just from licensing old Seinfeld reruns because they knew that people would right. watch them. You're almost doing the same thing. You're pretty much creating a place where you can do the top 10 plays of the 2016 season, post that, and people who, you know, people who are going to be browsing YouTube might remember the 2016 season and land on that video. Once you get that view, not only are you bringing value to your sponsor, whoever's sponsored on it, um, but you're also, you know, able to collect money, you know, passive income for your team uh, to be able to drive that revenue. So it's, you know, it's it's one of those things where you can you can make a a decent amount of money if you cut them up correctly and you really think about the content. For minor league teams, I'm thinking, you know, what's the most probably searched for thing on, on YouTube for sports is probably individual player highlights. So let's take, um, you know, we'll, we'll, let's take the Winterhawks. I mean, Cody Glass is now in the NHL and uh, in, in, in playing. You know, when somebody types in Cody Glass highlights, what's the first video that shows up? Can it be a Winterhawks branded, created top 10, top 20, top 30 Cody Glass goals? And yeah. every time somebody searches for that, from now until, you know, hopefully a 10 year career later, every time somebody lands on that video, hoping that YouTube's still the way that we consume video content, you're going to be paid for that on the back end. So yeah. not only is it where your fans are going to be, and they want to consume content. But again, if you put pre-roll ads on it, you're going to get paid for those views. And if you get enough views, which a lot of the bigger teams or even mid-tier, mid, you know, mid-level teams as far as following goes, if you can get a lot of views on those and create a lot, you know, you could do Cody Glass assists, Cody Glass goals, get really niched with those. Um, then what you can do is is create a place where all of that's going to aggregate together for that ad money and you're going to be able to generate revenue um, while giving your sponsors that value right it's like that's also longevity for the sponsor it's three years later somebody could be watching that video and see that you know that all state was on it and that might be the trigger that you know gets them to go search for all state obviously you're not you're probably not charging all state three years later on that value but um, there's just, that's, that's the, don't be so sure, Nick. <laughs> right. Set up, set up a deal, a licensing don't, deal. To... Don't be so sure. I'll, I'll find a way to charge you all <laughs> But that's, I mean, that's when I, I talk about, you know, let's, let's think about how influencers today make their money. 
that's how they do it. They post a lot of videos, very niched, and they get a ton of views that aggregate. It's never that one viral video that they make right. a ton of money on. It's a lot of these smaller ones. And there's, I mean, there is zero excuse in sports for us not to start building this for our teams. Because again, one, sponsors love video content and the value that it brings and having their logo on there and being able to integrate in the screen time. But then two, if you do this for the next two years, you can potentially build an entire you know, showcase that every time somebody watches it, you're getting paid for it um, uh, you know, pa on, of passive income. And there, you don't have to be an NFL team to do this. You can be a minor league hockey team do this, and if you have enough high-profile players coming through your system, you're gonna get sort of that um, that that reach in those views. And this kind of goes back to the nostalgia, right? It's the reason why nostalgia is so powerful in this process is it's gonna bring people back to a time to where they want to consume more videos from that time. And what they're gonna do is binge watch your videos. And every time somebody watches that, it's just gonna increase and increase and increase. Uh, those views. So it's... as we talk about this, as, as we talk about this, I'm, I'm flashing back back to the movie Field of Dreams, where James Earl Jones talks about, you know, if you build it, they will come. You know, oh yes, they'll come, Ray, and they'll, because they're coming back to to um, to revisit, you know, a certain time in their lives that they remember with with fondness, and it's a it's a good memory. And and as I said, kind of at the outset. I think right now, with everything that's going on, a lot of people are looking for those kinds of, 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 good, uh, of good memories. You know, again, maybe they're dealing with loss of income. Um, maybe they're dealing with, uh, you know, sickness or where they or somebody they know has been impacted by, by um, COVID-19. Uh, I think that now is a really good time. And as you said, you know, in particular, if you're, say, you're in the minor leagues, and a special shout out and God bless you to uh, all the men and women in minor league baseball right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Man, I'm really, I feel for you guys and gals. Um, but, you know, you can take, maybe you had a particular player that, that played minor league ball for you uh, for a year or half a year or two years or whatever that's now going to be in the majors. Well, great, you know. Uh, major league baseball is starting up pretty quick here. How about a video showing them um, when they played for your minor league club, yep. and can you take that out to a sponsor and say, "Hey, we're going to be doing these things," uh, you know, on a on a biweekly basis. We're going to release two a week. We've got a total of, you know, ten players, uh, so it's a five week deal, and then they'll, you know, they'll stay up, and we'll recycle them through, and and things like that. So there's some some good residual value there. And as I say, I think it's, I think it's a good time right now to put that kind of, of, of throwback nostalgic content out there for, for people to consume. And that's, you know, like if I was consulting, let's say, um, a, a minor league baseball team right now, or even minor league hockey team that's looking to, to make some money up, with these restarts, like there's going to be storylines that pop up. Right, there's going to be that rookie that you know um, that nobody expected to blow up, and they're going to blow up, right? Or that veteran that's going to blow up. If you can, if you can right now go through and say, "Hey, look, who are who are the players that came through our program that 
are, are playing in these restart tournaments, okay? Let's create, again, top, like, top, 10, top 10 home runs from this player, top 10 you know, stolen bases from this player, and just create those uh, videos uh, as well as you know, having a few pieces where maybe the hitting coach who was there while this player was there just jumps on and does a live stream video of going through it and then putting that on YouTube. That's going to garner the amount of value that a sponsor is really going to look for because, again, it's those, those keywords. When you think about video, you're going to want to think like demand creation. What are the keywords that people are going to search for? And I guarantee you, as these storylines unfold, you're going to want to be the team that, let's say, you know, a player goes out of his mind and jacks, you know, 10 home runs in the first three games back. Obviously, the first thing that they're going to type in is on YouTube is so-and-so highlights. You're going to pop right to the top because you might be one of the only videos and definitely one of the more prominent videos that pop up. And then you're yeah. getting views, you're getting value, and you're getting notoriety within the industry. So I think, you know, like, and the crazy thing is, is it's very easy. I mean, to be honest, if you have a creative person or even if you have iMovie on your laptop or, or whatever Windows uses, you can literally just cut them up and, 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 and make it very, very quickly or hire a high school kid who, you know, knows how to cut those up if you don't have it in-house. But I think, I think the big thing there is just, you know, as we think about where to start, that's where I would really start is your prominent players who have been there, who have played in your system in the past, those are going to be the most searched for, um, especially given that we're restarting and getting that going. There you go. So there you go. So awesome. With that, with that, definitely don't discount video, especially now with this nostalgia piece. But again, put that, put those on YouTube and allow them to accumulate views, just because the value that they're going to give you is going to be, actually have a longer life cycle than if you just post it on Facebook, and that's. And going to be super and, key for your sponsors. And speaking as the, the, the sponsorship salesperson here, uh, find ways that you can, um, that you can generate revenue uh, from these sorts of things, we, either from you know, pre-rolls through sponsor logos, through ad insertions, um, you know, a special guest like we talked about before. Uh, lots of different ways, and, and you know, depending on what your season is and, and such, it may not completely replace uh, the, the revenue losses, but it's going to help. Every little bit's going to help, and uh, it may strengthen the relationship with the sponsor, and certainly it'll strengthen relationships with the fan base. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think I think overall, too, with all of this is is, and we've said this before. Now is the time to try things, right? The worst thing that happens is you spend a weekend creating video cutups, and then nobody watches them, right? Um, just yeah. try some well, things. It's, it's definitely the time to innovate. You Ex gotta, you gotta look at things from a different perspective and different angles because uh, the 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 way it's always been done, quote unquote, uh, may not be applicable um, in the near term or or ever. You know, yeah. you're gonna see certain channels and certain platforms like video, like broadcasts, uh, social. Uh, that are going to, if they weren't already growing quickly, they're going to explode because of um, some of the, the restrictions as far as physical distancing and only being able to have a certain percentage of, of your fan base in the stands. So yeah. 
Uh, that's another reason I think that you really want to take a, uh, a, a deep dive and, and take advantage of not only what's going on right now with the need and the desire for nostalgia, but also it sets you up going forward in some of these platforms that are going to be uh, increasing in value uh, from a sponsorship standpoint moving ahead. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Rich, if somebody wants to get a hold of you and, and chat you up on sponsorship, where's the best way to do that? Well, if you're uh, listening uh, to this via uh, LinkedIn, I am right here on LinkedIn as well. My name is Rich Franklin, VP of Corporate Partnerships for the Portland Winterhawks hockey team. Or if you'd like to go the email route, I can be reached at richf at winterhawks. And I'm Nick Lawson, co-founder of Squad. You're probably seeing us on LinkedIn, so uh, give me a comment, give me a follow, uh, connect with me, DM me with any questions. And as always, we'll shoot this out here. Uh, if you have any questions for us, anything you like, would like us to cover, you know, shoot us a message. We love uh, love diving into those problems and uh, engaging on that side. So definitely shoot us any topics that you have. In the meantime, uh, stay safe. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. Remember, keep pushing those limits within sports sponsorship. Mm -hmm.